both Health Net and California Health and Wellness understand that improved health outcomes begin with access to quality care providers. And to continue to fulfill our mission to serve the growing healthcare needs of the population, we are committed to develop solutions that break down barriers to care. Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard, and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast brings together leaders in rural healthcare with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what's happening across today's rural healthcare ecosystem. Each week, you'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This is Rural Health. My name is Scott Hertzberg, President-Elect of the CSRHA, and I'm joined with Michelle Schneider, Secretary of CSRHA. Our guest today is Dr. Ramiro Zuniga, the Vice President and Medical Director at HealthNet and California Health and Wellness. And Michelle, he had a lot of information to share about the work that CHW and HealthNet are doing, particularly toward health equity. Absolutely. The key words I took were social determinants of health, supporting workforce development, and really health equity, getting into the 30 plus counties they work in the state and having a true presence, not just providing a service, but putting themselves in the lives of community members and businesses. Yeah. So anyone who's going to tune in today, you are going to learn a lot about health equity and uh, the work that CHW and HealthNet are doing to connect with communities, to provide them with the resources that they need. Um, They're investing a lot of time and money and people power into these communities. And I was staggered by the amount of work that they're doing. So thank you everyone for tuning in. And here we are with our episode with Dr. Zuniga of HealthNet and California Health and Wellness. Welcome everybody to This is Rural Health. I'm your host, Scott Hertzberg, president-elect of the CSRHA, and I'm joined with Michelle Schneider, the CSRHA secretary, and our guest, Dr. Ramiro Zuniga, who is vice president uh, and the medical director of HealthNet and California Health and Wellness. So, Dr. Zuniga, we're very happy to have you here. I've been talking with folks from CHW for several weeks now, maybe a couple months now, about this Bridging the Divide program that they're launching and everything. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about who exactly HealthNet California Health and Wellness is, so that our listeners have a good idea. Yes. Uh, before I jump into that, Scott and Michelle, I want to uh, say hello to all of our, your listeners and thank you both for having me here today. And as you said, Ramiro Suniga, uh, I'm the Vice President Medical Director for Medical at HealthNet and California Health and Wellness. And while I know that many of your listeners may be familiar with HealthNet or our sister company, California Health and Wellness, I want to take a minute or two to give you a fuller picture of our company. HealthNet was founded in California four decades ago, and we now serve 3 million Californians in more than 30 counties across Medical, Cover California, CalPERS, employer-sponsored coverage, and Medicare. That is one in 13 Californians. It's, it's a huge number. HealthNet is one of the state's longest-serving and most experienced medical partners. We have over 40 years of experience caring for Californians, most vulnerable residents, and working hand-in-hand with the state to build medical from the beginning 
and HealthNet brings focus and on much knowledge of the diverse and specialized needs of the people we serve and tailors solutions to meet the unique challenges they face wherever they live, wherever they are. Over the last four years, we have awarded approximately $100 million in grants to clinics, medical providers, and community-based organizations to improve the health of Californians. And that includes about $13.4 million for telehealth grants to providers at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I, I can say from, you know, on behalf of the CSRHA and other folks who work in rural health, we truly believe your zip code should not determine your quality or length of life, right? That's like our unofficial motto. So I think some of the work that you all are doing, I mean, $100 million to help, you know, these healthcare providers in, in our most vulnerable areas, that is incredibly impressive. And that definitely is going to help shore up a lot of resources for folks. You know, one of the things that I would love to learn more about is this Bridging the Divide program that you all have started. Uh, can you tell us more about that and kind of how that is working with CHW and HealthNet? Yes, Bridging the Divide is all about uh, health equity. Um, We're proud to say that we recognize uh, very early the need to close care gaps in health equity across many factors. HealthNet employs an award-winning model to detect, assess, and reduce health disparities. We analyze quantitative and qualitative data, that is not only all the numbers of our members and the data on race, ethnicity, language, sexual orientation, etc., but also we conduct interviews to obtain qualitative data to identify barriers to care. And then we go and design interventions that actually meet the needs of the members we serve in the communities and based on their particular needs. Centin has scaled up, our partner company Centin, scaled up our, this equity model that we developed in California nationally as a best practice. And in fact, we were recognized by the NCQA, that is the National Committee for Quality Assurance, for our work with multicultural care. We also implemented a pilot, just as an example of our work, to provide free doula services to better support African-American mothers during the late pregnancy and delivery. And we knew that providing culturally appropriate care when women need it most will help improve health outcomes. And we were able to lower cesarean section rates from 33.6% to 20%. That is a 13.6% difference, which actually, if you look at it, is a 60% reduction. This is an amazing result. Just as important, we do this work at scale. It's so impressive. You know, I know that I'm learning more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, all like that's, it's not, it's more than just a buzzword, right? It's a new mindset that we need to take. And I really appreciate how you all are making that a focus. Michelle, any thoughts on this? Absolutely. And when you said, Dr. Zuniga, that you're in 30 counties in California and that you reach one in 13 people, I mean, we have 30, over 39 million people who live in our state. So how is it going reaching all of the residents in the 30 counties? And what are the goals to reach the 20 plus more counties that we have in our state? Yes, yeah, so our footprint, I would like to focus on, we serve 31 counties in both uh, the HealthNet and our sister company, California Health and Wellness, on Medical. And the other counties throughout California that we serve are in our uh, exchange product, uh, which is the individual insurance product, and in commercial, traditional commercial or employer-based insurance. Of course, we have CalPERS also as a partner. 
But let me just give you an example of how we approach the care in different regions. California Health and Wellness, which is focused on serving the northern 18 rural counties and imperial county in the border with Mexico. Uh, having said that, let me focus on California Health and Wellness. We work with uh, 5,500 primary care providers and specialists and 29 hospitals to improve access to care and continue to break down barriers for our patients in the uh, rural 18 counties in the Northern California area and Imperial County. And we are an embedded member of the local communities we serve. California Health and Wellness has created health benefits, designed innovative programs, and invested more than $800,000 in local organizations from 2017 to 2018 to address key priorities in the rural 18 counties. And these programs include things like access, enrollment, and retention support. That is boots on the ground enrollment and navigation assistance for patients with their healthcare coverage to guide them through the enrollment process and also help them understand their plan benefits so they fully utilize their, their insurance benefits and also to secure access to care when they need it most, ideally at the primary care sites through our network of providers. We also provide transportation to care. We have programs designed to ensure that rural members in remote geographic locations have safe and reliable transportation to and from their health care visits. And this includes not just regular medical visits to primary care providers and specialists, but also visits that they may need to go to for dental care, substance abuse, behavioral health treatment, pharmacy, and of course, the hospital discharge or transportation from the hospital after leaving uh, for inpatient uh, care going home. Also, we focus hugely in advancements in technology. And this is very important, particularly in rural areas, through investments to help break down geographic uh, barriers and supplement uh, facility and provider shortages through proven telehealth solutions that connect patients to care. And again, in rural areas, because of distance, Another thing, this is very important. In the area of uh, workforce and provider development, we support workforce development programs for healthcare professionals to advance and encourage increased provider presence amid a state shortage affecting particularly the rural regions very disproportionately. Uh, one big part of our approach to develop, developing our programs and uh, delivering care in rural areas is uh, partnerships with the local community. We have supported more than 23 community engagement events with local nonprofits provider partners and government agencies to enhance access to care. And this includes also improving social determinants of health and empower local organizations in rural communities. And finally, I want to highlight that, uh, unfortunately, with fire systems lasting longer and being more severe, wildfire response and recovery is hugely important. We have made critical investments in disaster response, resource and recovery efforts to aid in healing damaged communities, including and during after the devastating campfire in Northern California. Yeah, the campfire, you know, one that hits me kind of personally, at the time that that happened, I was working at Adventist Health and, you know, they lost the hospital up there. And so it's, you know, the community itself has been forever changed. And I, I really appreciate the work that you all are doing to help provide relief. It seems like we're just going to have fire season, you know, from now on, that 
it's not going away anytime soon. So this increased focus on disaster relief is really wonderful. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit. You were saying that how you were getting really involved in the communities and you're going to these community engagement events. How can rural health providers, you know, better collaborate with you so that they can help to improve equity in their area? Yeah, that's that's a very good question, Scott. And and the the main thing for providers in the rural communities that we serve, if they have a barrier, if they have an issue or a technology challenge, is to reach out to us. And it's very likely that we have a program that uh, can help uh, bridge uh, their needs and make sure that our patients get the care that they need. And let me speak a little bit about an example of what we have done with the pandemic, with COVID, to illustrate how we work with the local systems, with the providers and other stakeholders. As you know, COVID-19 impacted all facets of the healthcare system, including for the most traditionally underserved and rural residents who couldn't access care as easily. And uh, the providers were in a very difficult situation, and many providers had to uh, stop seeing patients uh, face-to-face. And what we did is uh, we supported providers, and we supported not only the providers, but members on our community throughout uh, the pandemic, and we continue to do so. And both HealthNet and California Health and Wellness provided uh, much-needed necessities uh, with providers at the beginning. They didn't have a PPE, which is personal protective equipment, masks, uh, gowns, and other things. And we supported them uh, through the, giving them the supplies that they needed. Also, as they were uh, starting to vaccinate, uh, patients' vaccines became available in late December, early January. We partnered with them in many sites, uh, in many areas that were to develop a, a way to bring the vaccines to the patients. We also partnered with the communities, and we did this through direct engagement to address uh, core issues like uh, food bank support. That was critical, again, during the pandemic. A lot of people lost uh, their employment, uh, and if people do not have uh, food, that's, that's a huge uh, problem, of course, and it affects not only their livelihood, their, their health, uh, and their family safety. We also provided gift cards for essentials and donations to local recovery efforts for the pandemic period. And we HealthNet and California Health and Wellness address the needs of providers on the front line with grants that increase access to telehealth. And also, as I mentioned, we gave them personal protective equipment supplies and then provided educational resources so they were able to have those very meaningful conversations with the patients about the vaccination and other things that they needed to do with COVID to prevent COVID. Also, hugely important to this is education to providers on how to have conversations around hesitancy. And uh, we develop a database pilot to give providers information and details. on. We also, uh, in addition to supporting providers, we do support our members directly. And we uh, supported members to make sure that they had access to care. We did a very quick deployment of a first-to-market COVID-19 symptom checker. This is an app that is available free to all of our medical members that they can go in and enter their symptoms and they can determine based on their symptoms what is the most likely. Is it COVID-19 or is it allergies or is it a common cold? And that's very important to make sure that patients were seeking care at the appropriate time. We also support the provider by fast-tracking a telehealth expansion to provide access to 24-7 virtual care to every Medicaid member. And we did that in just seven weeks. We launched our homebound program, a care for patients that could not leave the house, 
that brought providers to members who couldn't leave home. That seven weeks, that is incredible. Yeah, it was a huge effort. And uh, when you consider that we have 2 million members in Medical and we rolled this out in seven weeks, that's huge. That is fantastic. That's the kind of mobilization that, that we really need. And it's not only the, the member side, but we need to enable providers also to provide the virtual care. So we awarded to our providers, mainly in safety net clinics, 138 grants. That's $13.4 million to support the establishment and expansion of telehealth and telephonic services for those providers that were in the very rural areas and, again, that had to shift from a face-to-face visit, in-person visit, to a virtual visit. The bottom line is that this support to clinics and providers what enabled them to continue to serve the underrepresented minorities that are very that are living in very under-resourced communities and have the greatest healthcare needs. And I could talk a little bit more about telehealth if you allow me. As we expanded telehealth services, there is something that we are talking more and more, and we recognize there is a gap between those patients who have access to devices and service and those patients who do not have either neither a device or service. So, in an effort to bridge, we call this the digital divide. We also donated nearly half a million dollars worth of cell phones plus three months of free service as part of a connectivity initiative that we rolled out in California. And uh, this helped uh, bridge uh, the communication gap and allow patients uh, who had the greatest needs to avoid uh, going to the emergency room or visits uh, and be ex- being exposed unnecessarily to COVID and uh, allow them to have a telehealth uh, connection with the providers. And now we're shifting to vaccines. So in vaccines and COVID-19 vaccines, now that we have been vaccinated since uh, late December, early January, we have delivered HealthNet and California Health and Wellness. Uh, we have delivered through our programs COVID vaccines uh, to some of the most diverse regions, and we have done that through deployment of resources to what you could call vaccine deserts in many areas. And we have funded training and community and, and training and education of community-based organizations so they can have those conversations on vaccine hesitancy with the, with the patients. We also continue to support employees who volunteered throughout the state. The the final result, and and I'll close this uh, conversation on COVID and our support to providers, is that HealthNet and California Health and Wellness have staffed and deployed RVs, mobile vans, and hosted more than 100 mobile COVID-19 vaccine clinics and pop-up tents. And we have vaccinated the residents, not just our members, but members of the community who need it most uh, and uh, in the hardest uh, to reach communities. And we plan to continue to do this. We have plans to do dozens more events before the end of the year. And in fact, uh, a couple of weekends ago, over the weekend, we had the HealthNet RVs uh, out uh, at the new Rams Stadium in Inglewood uh, providing COVID and influenza flu vaccines. Oh, right, because we also have flu season coming again. Well, that's actually a great question with flu season. Dr. Zuniga, I'm curious, having worked in rural for many years, you know, not one solution fits all communities. So my first question is, how do you figure out which community needs what when? And my next question is, how has 
COVID-19 impacted the other health offerings? Has it increased with telehealth that people are getting more medical care now that there are more resources with cell phones and whatnot in your community work? Or has it stayed flat since before the pandemic? Yeah, great question, uh, Michelle. Uh, let me address first, uh, how do we deploy resources to different communities? The way that we do that is uh, we need to understand what their needs are. So we, we have conversations, we reach out to our partners of the Departments of Public Health, the local counties, uh, we reach out to our providers, either individual providers or uh, clinics and the like. And we ask them, hey, we can support, we want to support you in your efforts to bring vaccines, to bring now uh, not only COVID vaccines, but also influenza vaccines to their sites. And some people tell us, uh, hey, we, we are good, we have everything, but we need telephonic outreach support for us to reach out to the members so the patients come to their vaccination events. That's one way. Some other people say, hey, we have... Uh, capacity limitations. Our waiting rooms, our clinics are heavily impacted because we need to separate people, distance people, I should say. So for those people, maybe a pop-up tent or an RV with an outdoor tent that protects the patients from the elements is, is what they need. And in some other areas, what they need is volunteers. They need our staff volunteer and come and help with uh, directing traffic uh, and uh, making sure that the patients register and, and uh, are directed to the right place. And all of that is done in coordination. And uh, we identify who uh, needs what, who has the vaccines, who has the supplies, what they need. Do they need refrigeration capabilities with uh, portable refrigeration units, etc.? And then we deliver those. Now, let me address uh, your second question. What's the impact of COVID in the delivery of care? What we saw initially is a lot of primary care providers either shut down their doors completely or they shifted to a complete telehealth, telephonic and televideo, telehealth capabilities. And some people did a combination of both. They did in-face, in-person visits and telehealth. And what we have seen, unfortunately, we are very concerned about this, is that things that require a face-to-face -face visit, we have a lot of catching up to, particularly childhood immunizations, particularly preventive care in children. That is a huge concern, and we are putting a lot of efforts to reach out to our members, our patients, and to give the providers uh, tools so they can bring that population and do the catching up of immunizations that we need to do. Now, conversely, in other areas, we saw an increase. Telehealth for behavioral health is something that because uh, behavioral health, uh, once you have a diagnosis and perhaps you need therapy, you need to talk to a counselor, uh, that actually very quickly was adopted, very well received by the patients, very well received by the providers, and the COVID pandemic accelerated the adoption of telehealth, particularly for behavioral health services. And there was actually an increase in utilization. I mean, we are all uh, exposed to a lot of stress for, during the COVID pandemic. And uh, telehealth allowed uh, those patients who are at home exposed to different uh, stressors to actually uh, receive the support that they needed. And uh, in general, what we are seeing is now evolution, acceleration of the evolution, adoption of telehealth with hybrid models, bringing patients in into the office face-to-face only for those things that actually need hands-on immunizations or an exam, cervical cancer screening, and other things like that. That, you know, I think you're the first person I've heard 
talk about the uptick in mental health and behavioral health through telehealth. So I, I kind of just assumed that everything increased. But I didn't realize that that section, that area had had received kind of more of an emphasis. So that's fascinating to learn. And I, I really appreciate all of the work that you guys are doing, providing resources to some of our most vulnerable populations, but also the providers that are directly serving them. You know, I guess, uh, Michelle, unless you've got anything else, I'm really curious to see what's next as we head into 2022. Me too. I mean, so much progress has been made. So congratulations to you and the team. But yes, I can't wait to see what's on the horizon. Please tell us. Yeah, so let me tell you first about what uh, we are, or go a little bit deeper into what we're doing with health equity. Today, two-thirds of, uh, as I mentioned before, of HealthNet members are medical enrollees. Uh, that is two out of uh, three million, two million out of three million in California. And these are residents uh, in California who historically experience health disparities at higher rates. Health disparities are driven by institutional racism, unfortunately, and a wide range of social determinants, including things like socioeconomic status, where you live, urban, rural, your zip code, as Scott mentioned, and the level of education, your race and ethnicity, and many other factors. And HealthNet and California Health and Wellness have pioneered a very innovative and multi-pronged approach to advance health equity. Our model is based on meaningful engagement with members, providers, and of course, community-based organizations. And together with our partners, HealthNet and California Health and Wellness, develop programs that improve access to quality care and help reduce disparities. And we do this mainly by leaning on a dedicated health equity team that is a central tenant of our equity initiatives. Uh, This team is a culturally competent workforce, and uh, they work with our provider networks, and and this is critical to increasing health equity. Our uh, dedicated health equity team ensures the diverse cultural and language needs of our members and providers are understood and are addressed through our programs and services. We also invest in system-wide changes, and and we put resources to transform care delivery and advance health equity. We already talked about uh, our investment in telehealth uh, to bridge uh, the divide between patients where they are and they don't have access to care. And uh, we also have invested heavily in encounter data. Encounter having the data, the patient's visits and their own information uh, is very important. We have invested over $50 million in improving uh, this data and getting better access to key patient health information. And this helps us uncover insights, disparities in the patient's uh, health uh, delivery and health outcomes. We also invest in workforce development. We have invested over $4 million in workforce development to bring more providers into our network. We do that while ensuring that the providers reflect the communities we serve, not just racially, ethnically, but also language and culture. You know, I was just talking with someone literally last night. We've got an upcoming presentation on serving the underserved that we're working on. And we were talking about the how important it is to make sure that that healthcare worker pipeline is reflecting the communities that they serve. So I really love that that is a focus. And as you said, it's not just, you know, race and ethnicity, but also cultural and linguistic diversity. And the example that we use is like, if you've got a large Armenian speaking population, you better have healthcare workers that can speak Armenian because that's a resource that they need. Even if you're providing the best healthcare in the world, if you're missing that part, if that's a gap, you're not able to serve that population. 
That's a great comment, Scott. And it's very important that uh, health plans, health insurance companies work uh, with the communities that they serve. And they have specific expertise like uh, what HealthNet and California Health and Wellness uh, do and have. And we bring on an, much knowledge of the diverse needs of populations we serve. And we couple this uh, knowledge and the ground knowledge with the insights that, are, insights that are provided by our data-driven equity model. And these partnerships and the interventions that we have designed to impact our communities include, as some examples, a unique provider education and accommodated communication programs. And these are programs to meet the healthcare needs of members who have disabilities, whether they're physical or, or communication disabilities. And we also collaborate with local providers to increase access to preventative and primary care and social support services for the Latins, the patients in rural communities. And I, I want to say a couple more things on workforce development. This is very important for us. Uh, both HealthNet and California Health and Wellness understand that improved health outcomes begin with access to quality care providers. And to continue to fulfill our mission to serve the growing healthcare needs of the population, we are committed to develop solutions that break down barriers to care. Uh, we have done that by augmenting our provider networks throughout all the regions uh, with uh, providers that are adjacent to or surrounding remote and rural counties that don't really have access to. And uh, also we provide community organizations with grants to help uh, identify and recruit new talent pools. And this ties into your conversation about community health workers. And we do that by approaching and partnering with community colleges, high school, and safety in the counties to help us improve uh, clinic capacity and patient satisfaction through a community health worker programs and the like. So workforce development is, is huge. It plays a, a huge role in health equity because of the role of cultural competency training and recruitment. And uh, for us, cultural competency training and uh, representative recruitment is a huge priority and that is critical to enhancing care with, within traditional underserved communities to recruiting underrepresented medical professionals and improving patient outcomes throughout uh, the development of new roles and positions that are aimed at addressing inequities, including the community health workers. Yeah, that is, you know, investing in local colleges to help broaden that pipeline, such a huge thing for healthcare. Because not only will we see, you know, the improved diversity from folks who are graduating from the program, but that also helps to encourage kind of the next generation to get involved in healthcare. And in rural areas, encouraging folks to come back to their rural roots, that just really helps to address from all sorts of angles. So as we look into 2022, which is going to be here in just a couple of months, what are what are you all looking on? What are the next big projects for you? Is this bridging the divide an ongoing process or is there a new project coming up? Yes. Uh, in addition to bridging the divide, which is all about health equity and telehealth, as we already discussed, I think one additional aspect that is worthwhile mentioning is uh, mental health and trauma care. Under CALAIM, we're going to have an increased role to play in the area of behavioral health. And California Health and Wellness has been working closely with many communities to provide support to address trauma and behavioral health needs within the local communities. And this was evident as, for example, the fires created significant adverse situations and a lot of all of this adversity was compounded by widespread power outages the closure of hospitals, as you mentioned earlier, et cetera. 
And uh, because of the wildfires and combination with the pandemic, many individuals and families are still cut off from classroom, work, friends. And these are lifelines that we all depend uh, on. So we cannot underestimate the impact of these stressful times have on our young people and their families and how they are affected their behavioral health, their emotions. And as we all know, this also can foster trauma and violence, domestic violence. And instances of trauma can have lasting negative effects on individual health and well-being. And that was an issue in this region in many of the rural areas even before the pandemic hit. So we cannot let trauma become the new normal. And we must put new tools in the hands of local communities to prevent and mitigate the effects of trauma. Healthcare is in high demand in some California communities. They have very limited healthcare resources. And both HealthNet and California Health and Wellness have recently stepped up to meet future demands in mental health and trauma-related services. And we did this by supporting local efforts to expand the medical residency programs in the rural north in Bitt County. And we also offer resources directly to and for our members, apps with information or websites like MyStrength, which is a behavioral health self-help platform, also Aunt Bertha, which is a social services resources platform for the community. This directs members to a wide array of resources to mitigate social determinants of health and provides them with information on food, banks, housing resources, and transportation. And while these are only a few items in our current work on health equity, we recognize that it's crucial that our organization continues to collaborate and build partnership to expand access to resources and training. And today, the dialogue that we are having and our mission to create short-term and long-term solutions are helping ensure that everyone has an opportunity to live a healthy and successful life. As we continue to look for new ways to improve the health of our community, it's critical that we protect our most vulnerable population by providing resources to local communities to help us address this public health crisis right now. And we look forward to continuing to work with communities, providers, members throughout California and organizations like you to continue to raise awareness of the health impact of trauma and to move towards a more robust effort to screen, treat, and heal our communities. And Scott and Michelle, I want to thank you very much for having me here today and the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I mean, it's, as I said, I've been kind of working for maybe even months to you know figure out how we can best share all the work that you are doing with our listeners and with our CSRHA members. So I'm glad that we finally got this opportunity. Michelle, any thoughts as we close? No, thank you so much. You do amazing work and we look forward to helping spread the word so more people can get involved. Yes, and uh, I will make sure to put the links to those resources that you mentioned, My Strength and Antberta. We'll make sure that those are in the show notes so that our listeners can access that. Thank you so much, everybody, and stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and we will see you in our next episode. This is Rural Health is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at csrha.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at csrha.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at CSRHA Podcast. 
Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association. This is Rural Health. It's copyright 2021 by the California State Rural Health Association. To find out more about the CSRHA, visit us at csrha.org.